The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So I think that the possibility is that we're not going to see a national epidemic with B117, at least in the spring and the summertime. It's a risk to the fall. But what we're likely to see is regionalized epidemics with this new variant. And the two places in the country right now that are the biggest hotspots are Southern California and Southern Florida, Miami. So those cities need to be very mindful uh, of the spread of these variants. Now, we know what works. Prior immunity and the vaccines do appear to be as effective against this new variant. So as we immunize more of the population, and if people continue to wear masks and be vigilant in these parts of the country, we can keep this at bay. It's not too late. But it's a real risk to those regions of the country right now. For the fall. Like it's not bad now. That's the first time I've heard anybody talking about things being bad in the fall. So I wasn't very excited to hear Dr. Gottlieb say that on Face the Nation yesterday. Yeah, I mean, I said, uh, excuse me, the other day I was on, it's probably the vid. I said the other day on the golf course, and uh, I was uh, not greeted warmly. I said, I'm actually getting myself mentally prepared for this never changes. Like never? Yeah, like we're always chasing uh, the newest uh, mutation. Well. And, and we're, we're always catching up with the vaccine. It's going to be like the flu shot. There's a one in three chance it helps you. It's just a, We just live with this for the rest of our lives. I, I, I'm not predicting that. I'm not an epidemiologist. You're not. I'm not any ologist. Because I've known you for a long time, and it'd be surprising to me if it turned Why out you, you were. stethoscope? I have an interest in uh, medical science, certainly. And uh, I don't want to bring people down, but if, if Scott Gottlieb, who's no nut, no, he's, he's talking about the fall is going to be really bad. And that's after, well, depending on what you mean by the fall, but that's like nine, ten months of the vaccines being, quote unquote, available. I don't want to hear that. 
To what you just said, Michael Lewis has got a new book out, and when he puts out a new book, it always gets a ton of attention. Jeez, his books have sold 10 million copies or something like that. He's the guy that wrote The Big Short and Moneyball and, uh, boy, a whole bunch of different books. We've had him on the air numerous times over the years. His f- what was his first big one? Anyway, I don't want to get hung up on that. Moby Dick. <laughs> Moby Dick. <clears throat> He's got a new book out called The Premonition. It was, uh, it was the one about the uh, blackjack playing college kids, wasn't it? His yeah, first I think book, so. Bringing Down the House. Yeah. Yeah, I think he wrote, I think he wrote that one. Um, anyway, he, uh, he's he got a new book out, The Premonition, and at the beginning of this, uh, when this all started, he contacted some of his government sources to try to get a little idea what's going on with the whole COVID thing, and, they, and he said five of them all said independently, this is just a warm-up to what we've been expecting to happen at some point. At some point, the world's going to get hit with a deadly virus we can't stop, and the world needs to be ready for this. And this mm-hmm. is probably just a warm-up for that, I mean, because that is inevitable. And he was shocked by that, and that's what this book is about, that you know we're dealing with this whole thing, and I think we all have emotionally, psychologically, I have a kind of feeling that, like, this is bad. We'll get through it, and it'll be over, and then we'll go back to our lives. Mm-hmm. And his point is that a lot of experts say, no, that might not happen. It might We might not go back to anything like things were before. Those were the before times. I hope we're wrong. I hope we're wrong, too. Yeah. But that's what his book is about, and you're going to be hearing a lot, because it, it comes out this week. You'll be hearing a lot about it, and he'll be interviewed by everybody over the next several weeks. Yeah, speaking of books, it's funny you should bring that up. I just brought this in. Um, I was going through a bookcase that was, like, stacked in the books everywhere, and I decided I got to get rid of some of these books, and I came across this book. And I remember we interviewed this guy several years ago. This book came out in, I think it was 2016 or 2017, as I learned in elementary school, past the title page, you have the, uh, what do you call it, page 2016, sure why, enough. Why did they make us learn that? I don't know. It's a handy thing to know. Like we were going to get into publishing. <laughs> you needed to know those particular things. Or, or I'd hold a book in my hand and just say, there's no way to know the date this is published. <laughs> <laughs> that information is just not available. <laughs> I think I would have figured it out, having seen it in several books in a row. But uh, the book by Ali Khan is The Next Pandemic. On the front lines against humankind's gravest dangers. And I remember it was a somewhat interesting interview at the time. But one of the reviews points out, Hantavirus, Ebola, avian flu, monkeypox, anthrax, bioterrorism, bubonic plague, West Nile virus, blah, 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 blah. All over the United States, Africa, Asia, Latin America, zoonoses from ticks, rodents, mosquitoes, bats, apes, camels... Sir, etc. Ali Khan's extraordinary achievement in public health have involved them all, and now readers can share the inside story of his global adventures involving what Khan calls the, quote, endless dance between microbes and humans. Well, the microbes are leading the dance now. I don't quite understand why this would happen, but they, uh, the Michael Lewis book, they're just they're talking about something. I don't know why this would be a warm-up to something worse, like why it would signal something worse. Maybe I'd have to read the book to understand that. It's alerted me to the fact that this sort of thing can happen. Um, but is there a reason? Or, is, I mean, or maybe I th- those people were wrong at the time, and this is the big one. I was just thinking about, like, when earthquakes, when there's an earthquake, like a decent-sized earthquake, and then they talk about, could this be, you know, the start of the big one that's coming, like, tomorrow, and mm-hmm. then it's 10,000 years before there's another big one in that area. Um, does it? It doesn't necessarily mean that the big one is coming tomorrow because he had that shake up and i just wonder that about this virus thing on the other hand maybe we've just 
this is just going to be the this is what it is to be a human being on planet Earth from here on out. You wear a mask all the time. You can't have crowds. Maybe. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't know. Now, I'd... on the mask thing, it was a big story all weekend long with a number of people recommending that we start to double mask because these new variants spread so much more easily. And I read several different articles that talked about, you know, put the cloth mask over the medical mask or vice versa and two masks. Blah, blah. And then I saw a doctor yesterday who said something that I thought made sense. He said, I think that's going to do more harm than good. The issue with masks is the fit. The biggest problem is not how good it is at keeping stuff out. It's whether or not it fits and everything getting in around the gaps. And if you put one mask on top of another mask, it's just going to fit even worse. And that just intuitively makes more sense to me. Mm. If I put the, uh, another mask on top of this medical mask, it's going to mess it all up on my head and everything like that. I think it's going to be bigger gaps than there were before. Yeah, I don't know. I have to try it. My other question, and then I'll shut up about this, is I decided I'm going to start wearing an N95 mask. We have some at home because that's the, the, the thing that they recommended is that everybody should go to the best mask they can get. Uh, N95 would be the best, but there aren't enough. How are we a year into this, and there isn't some company making N95 masks, so many of them that we're walking knee-deep in them everywhere we go? Right. How is that even possible from a supply-demand standpoint? I would think it'd be a gold mine. How are we still not having enough N95 masks that we can all just go out and buy those? I believe it's primarily because we outsourced all of them to China. And I heard an interview with this guy who was uh, the last remaining American mask maker. And he was battering, I think it was the Trump administration and maybe the Obama administration before that, saying, look, if there's a pandemic, we're not going to have enough masks. I mean, he predicted exactly what was going to happen. And he was able to gear up and get some long-term contracts enough to invest in these machines, which cost a couple of million dollars each, um, to to gear up. He said the problem is there's a surge in demand. This has happened before, and I'll gear up uh, and 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 buy another machine. But then the minute it's over, they go back to the cheap Chinese masks, and I got a couple million dollars of machinery sitting idle, and I go under. So I think it's that China uh. probably has plenty of them. So um, that's interesting because, like, I put one on last night. I should have brought it into work today. I don't know if you've worn an N95 mask, at least for the shape of my head. They fit way tighter. It's, just, it's like buying expensive goggles to swim in versus the super cheapos. Mm-hmm. It just, they just fit better. Yeah. And, and, and the way they strap on. So I'm going to start wearing that one, I think. But, okay, well, that makes sense. And also I could believe that if anybody was thinking of investing in you know, making those things in America, they'd have thought, well, by the time I get this going, it'll be over. Yeah. And wouldn't have believed that it were going to be a full year into it. Yeah. So it's kind of like the way agriculture, we subsidize agriculture so that we don't end up in that very situation Mm -hmm. to where, you know, farmers, it just becomes, well, it's cheaper to get all this stuff from some other country. Yeah. Then a war or something happens and we have no ability to make our own food. Exactly. I remember when that conversation was quite loud, it was last March or April, I think, the fact that we'd outsource not only mask production, but a lot of medical supply production and our pharmaceutical production. Huh. A lot of it's being done in China and India. God, and it's just, it's, it is a acute national security issue well, in my mind. If this is going to be around in the fall and could get much worse in the fall, and we might be fighting this forever, as some people have suggested we were just talking about, let's start making some damn N95 masks in this country so everybody can wear them. Yeah. And like, they should be a small, medium, and large. Oh, you know, it's probably worth talking a little bit about the European uh, vaccine situation, which is every bit as screwed up as the American one, and actually kind of worse. Um, and uh, 
NPR and CNN can't blame Trump for it. Although they're still letting the Biden administration get away with, oh, we inherited a mess. It just, they had no plan. Well, Europe is all messed up for other reasons, and I haven't had my vaccine. Have you had yours? So we can talk about that. There's also some pretty good vaccine news. It seems to be working quite nicely, even against the new strains. Even if it doesn't prevent you from getting sick, it prevents you from getting seriously ill or dying. So that's that last good. one's the major one. Yeah, that's uh, goal number one for me. So we can tell you about that. Joy Behar, the world's stupidest woman. <laughs> and yet, but there are probably stupider women, but oh, it's it's stupid times loudmouthed mm. that that earns you your stupid rating. And she is a combination of a halfwit and a big mouth. So we'll tell you what she said about kids being back in school. Uh, we got a little vaccine news, as I said, all sorts of good stuff. We're not here to scare you to death. There's just, you know, stuff you probably ought to know. Right? Mm. Right. Mm. <laughs> oh, dang it. I knew there was something I wanted to bring to your attention. A well-meaning progressive CEO decided we're going to pay everyone the same at this company. We're going to have true equity at this company. We'll tell you how that little experiment went. Awesome. Stay with us. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Southwest Airlines has changed their policy for emotional support animals and will now only allow cats and dogs on board, while over at Spirit, everyone's given a snake. (laughs) (laughs) That's a funny joke. Um, uh, News flow is a little weird today because it's going to snow in New York, and you have to realize those are the special people, the media. And when it snows in New York, everything comes to a halt. Everybody has to hear about and it all day the, long. The only thing you talk about, yeah. So there's that. Well, thanks to Donald Trump, the European Union can't the mm, the European Union can't get the vaccine out either. Uh, actually, Trump has nothing to do with it, but uh, his name is still on the lips of every newscaster in America. Every story, very strange. But there's a giant fight because they can't get enough vaccines, and the, so the EU is saying. Uh, Anything manufactured in the EU stays here. You can't give it to Britain. Um, But then they backtracked on that. Uh, The gal who runs the European Union is is passing all sorts of measures and edicts that then she has to roll back. And everybody's yelling at each other and nobody's quite sure how to get the vaccine out to everybody. Uh, This is really quite an interesting situation, practically globally. Some of European countries are getting the vaccine out a third as fast as the U.S. Wow. Yeah. I can't even imagine what that looks like. So they're basically not doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, it's chaos. I was looking at the, I got the numbers right in front of me. Uh, These, there's a number of things that came out of the weekend because we're kind of at a year anniversary for this whole thing starting. About 25 and a half million people have received one or both doses of the vaccine. Um, and about 50 million have been distributed. At every point along this, the number that have gotten it in their arm is usually about half of of how much exists. So, wow, maybe I don't know how long that will continue to be true, but it has been for a while. So you can always figure the numbers pretty easily if you hear one or the other number. But if you go state by state, um, who has gotten it? 
but uh, it's interesting on North Dakota, Oklahoma, New Mexico. You've heard a lot about West Virginia. Those states, what do they have in common? Those are all fairly small states have done much better. But nationally, the percentage of population that's completed the vaccination, that has gotten both shots, 1.8% in America. The first dose, 7.7% nationally. 7.7%. That's so weak. That's pretty now, low. Europe is depending on the AstraZeneca vaccine, um, and they've had uh, some production problems, I guess, and really slashed their output, their planned output, which is why there's so much stress in the EU. But I got to admit, I'm I'm just befuddled by how floundering the vaccine rollout has been. I just, in in a world where you know UPS, Walmart, all sorts of these companies can figure out precisely when they need to order more paper towels or whatever, right? Um, how can we not have a system? Well, and it varies so much from state to state. I hope. You know, there are a bunch of people that write their Ph.D. papers on this sort of thing because it's it's worth looking into. What, what what did they do logistically in some states that they didn't do in other states? Now, I was listening to that governor from Virginia, is it, or West Virginia? I get them mixed up. Uh, that did so well. I think it's West Virginia. West Virginia has yeah. done so well. And uh, he talked about, uh, to a certain extent, how we don't have Walgreens and CVSs. We just have mom and pop drugstores here and mm. they've been very efficient that might be some of it um i did hear the governor of another state that hasn't done that well who kind of snidely suggested that some of these states aren't as worried about equity as they need to be yes he said yeah you know if we wanted to we could get all the vaccine all the vaccine to like our biggest city and get a shot in everybody's arm right away we could do that easily but that's not going to be very equitable. And I thought, maybe we should do that. That might be a really good idea. Actually, Clearly we should do Vaccinate the that. whole city first if you can do it, like, really fast. Now it's important which group gets it first. got to wear your patch on your chest. Maybe a Star of David. Maybe a pink triangle so we know who is who in the brave new world. Sickening. Oh, there was one charming story out of South Carolina. Um, Mount Pleasant. Uh, the... Uh, not Mount Awful. They, uh, yeah, I wouldn't move there. Mount Pleasant's the place for me. But uh, they had a, a, a backlog. They, we were having trouble giving out the vaccine as fast as they could. There were long lines and waits and the rest of it. And the mayor called the manager of a nearby Chick-fil-A. And he said, how do we streamline this? How do we get rid of these choke points? And the Chick-fil-A manager, and if you've ever eaten it, delicious, delicious Chick-fil-A, you know they're incredibly efficient. Did he, he say said, add a pickle to every vaccine? No, he didn't. I wish he had, because I love the pickle. Uh, but he said, no, here's your choke point right here. You have to have more people doing that. It seems counterintuitive, but move your people there. That'll free up your... Wow. And it worked beautifully. That is really interesting. Isn't that something? The private sector, man. That's you good know what, governance. You know what they're motivated by? Making more money. Mm -hmm. The government sector is motivated by... Um, Hmm. They keep their jobs no matter what. In fact, they get more money if they fail. Hmm. Makes you stop and think. Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. 
I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Armstrong and Getty Show. We'll probably get the latest on the Chicago school situation next hour. Not that my kids are anywhere near there. It's just that I think if they get crushed, which hopefully they will, um, that could change things for the rest of the country. Yes. Yeah, I would love to see that. I have a great deal to say on the topic. I will hold back for now. They ain't in class today. They were, they were ordered to be teaching today, and the teachers aren't there. Yeah. Got to bust those unions. They're evil. Uh, Joy Behar said, why is it such a big deal? Why not just have everyone repeat the year? Is that such a far out idea? She's such an idiot. Does she have kids? I don't think so. She's like 80. She's well, old. Did she have kids? Uh, Does she I don't ever have kids? Either. If you've ever had kids, how could you not understand what a year means to a child? The responses were rather strong, as you might guess. Emily Zanotti of the Daily Wire said... uh, Was she ever a child, or was she born an old hag? She appears to have a a daughter. She probably wasn't around paying attention. But uh, the gal from the Daily Wire points out, uh, private school kids have been in, they're learning, they're fine. So you keep 25% back, but force 75% to repeat? Also, if this year meant nothing, why were we paying teachers for it, Joy? Hey, no. Yeah, good stuff. What a moron. 
Anyway. Class A, moron. Well, you, should, you don't even need to go there. What's your argument for not having the kids in school? You don't You can't one. open until it's safe. Right. I need to be protected from that voice. <laughs> A double mask, will it help? It might. Stuff it in your ears. Uh, so this is really interesting from the BBC. The world would be a lot better place. Our government would be a lot better if people understood basic economics. Uh, but so many people don't. This guy, Calvin Benton, kind of jealous of him. His parents were both uh, licensed like uh, psychologists, psychotherapists or something like that. And he was a computer guy. And he got the idea to start a company that uh, would help problems with uh, other companies' employees. Uh, depression, work-related stress, whatever. Uh, our folks will help counsel your folks so your company stays productive, and, and they got lots and lots of customers. But he had the idea of paying everyone the same amount of money. He thought it would bring harmony to his team. Was he seven when he thought of this? I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, One of the big decisions he made. Had he ever made, been around a workplace? When, I know it. I know it. These, so They're many making people, the same as me. They don't do anything. We need equity. We need equity. Equal outcomes. One of the big decisions he made when he founded Spill, which is the name of the company, was to pay himself and his colleagues an equal salary. There were five people, and everyone was pretty much contributing the same. So he tried this experiment where we paid each of us an equal amount, regardless of experience, regardless of role. Uh, we wanted to challenge the traditional model of pay. Initially, the measure worked well and fostered a lot of goodwill within the team. Let's say we were going out for drinks, says Calvin. There wasn't a problem of who pays, whether this person doesn't get paid as much, etc. The obvious. I have not. I've gone out for drinks with lots of people. I've never seen that come up. I really uh, haven't. No. I've never seen that come up where somebody thought, we all know he makes more money. So he should buy the drink. And we think he ought to pay. I've never seen that come up before. No, I, I don't know what world this guy lives in, but uh, as uh, the company took off, Calvin recruited new staff, such as a software developer, a salesperson, and clerical workers, and decided to offer them all that same salary. This is when the problems began. Now, the interesting part of presenting this story to you, my friends, is, you know, we've probably gotten this far in our careers because we have a decent sense of what's interesting or entertaining. And the difficulty of this story... <clears throat> Is for a half, well, I don't know what the percentages are. Jack, I'd like to hear your theory. For some of you, this will be like informing you that the sun is hot and Hitler was a bad guy. And for the other percentage of you, this will be a revelation so stunning, you will be able to think of nothing else for the rest of the week. So how do you present a story like that? I'll just give it to you. <laughs> So this guy soon discovered, having offered everybody the same salary, quote, software developers are typically very in demand, and they usually take a higher salary than we were offering. Salespeople are typically paid on commission, so it was not a model which particularly suited either one of those uh, fields. We really struggled to attract senior talent for the software role, paying them the same as secretaries. <laughs> And it got to about you three... You mean they could have gone somewhere else and made more money? And we uh, got, it's hilarious. We got to about three months in when the salesperson started asking to be paid according to targets they'd achieved, saying the fixed salary wasn't working for them. Listen, I'm kicking ass. I'm killing it. And I'm getting paid the same thing, whether I 
I'm good or not? At the same time, Calvin was getting overwhelmed with applications for the high-salary clerical jobs he was advertising. We were offering a lot more than other clerical jobs paid, and a lot of people were applying to the roles because they really wanted this high salary rather than wanting to work at the company because they believed in the mission. Was this uh, like uh, Lindsay and Pluckrose did this study? Is this a, I know. Is this a fake academic study? This guy comes off as a nine-year-old. It's obviously very bright. His company's doing quite well. Um, among the newly expanded workforce, the equal pay system was starting to cause grumbling. Uh, oh, and here's where it gets, again, obvious. When we grew the team, we started to have some people who contributed more than others. You had some people who worked longer hours than others. The question started to arise. Should this person be paid the same amount as me? Caused conflict, etc. after a year bowed to the pressure from his staff and scrapped the equal pay system, replacing it with the traditional structure of pay grades based on seniority, technical expertise, and production. Duh. I think it was a disappointment when the experiment failed. We wanted to do something which was democratic and egalitarian. But sometimes traditional practices are there for a reason. Sometimes you don't have to reinvent the model on everything. I can't imagine this guy actually building a successful company. Mm. That's just amazing to me. I don't know. I'd like to step inside his head for a, for a week to see what it's like. Oh, some people are better at their jobs than others, and you really want to keep them. Or, uh, you know, Bernie didn't believe this. Remember, we had that clip back in the day. He didn't believe that people are motivated by what they're paid. <laughs> it's hilarious. Bernard Sanders. I don't know. He's got a kink in his brain. It's a pretty simple concept. This is a simple concept. There's a stitch missing from his mittens. <laughs> Those <laughs> mental mittens. <laughs> this is a simple concept. It's right there in the name. Simply safe. It's a way to protect your home and you, really, uh, with something that you can afford and set up yourself in about 30 minutes. Simply safe home security, award-winning 24-7 protection. Yeah, you see, this is a better system than traditional home security. It's also less expensive than there are no long contracts, no messy install. You don't just get an arsenal of cameras and sensors. You get the best professional monitors in the business 24-7 to send police, fire, EMTs, whatever you need straight to your door. And you know, the name Simply Safe it applies to a bunch of things. Simple to set up, simple to use, simple to get, simple to get in and out of a contract because there's just no long-term contract, no hidden fees or installation costs. It's a 60-day risk-free trial. Nothing to lose. You get a free camera just for knowing us, free home security camera. Go to simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. That's simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. Free security camera, 60-day risk-free trial. Simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. Looking at this headline, they met in high school. 50 years later, the pandemic helped them realize they belonged together. Oh, I know a couple like that. They dated in high school, broke up, then met Again, I think 50-plus years later. Yeah, because they were in their 70s. Mm-hmm. And uh, fell in love and got married. Wow. Wow. Both of their spouses had passed away. Yeah, yeah. It's You know, I have uh, an ex-girlfriend who, you know, and we're both happily married. And, you know, had some contact through the years. But I have a feeling if, you know, I always say if Judy dumped me. Because I can't, I can't contemplate the other possibility out loud. Um I could just absolutely see me calling her, her calling me and saying, you want to get back together? Yep. Because it was just life experience that she went off to college and I went off to college. And but isn't just, that you know, interesting? Yeah. It's, I could see it because those those pathways in your brain do not go away. Well, it also fits in with the thing like the people that you're 
a certain kind of friend with, I cannot talk to them for a couple of years or have right. any contact, and then we get together, and it's as if nothing has changed. You have like an uncomfortable 30 seconds, then somebody says something funny, and boom, perfect fit. Hmm. It's amazing, isn't it? So, yeah, it's a sweet story, though. That's nice. Anybody who finds uh, love and companionship for their elder years, uh, that makes me happy. But I have other relationships that were very intense at the time, and I thought they were very serious, but I just, I got nothing. I mean, nothing. I don't think they'd have anything for me either. Mm. I don't know. So it doesn't, isn't always that way. Yeah. I guess that's true love, soulmates versus the other thing, whatever the other thing is. I don't know. Tawdry physical attraction. Ah, I've got no time for Disgusting. that. Disgusting. Exactly. Just from disgusting. the neck up. That's how I like my relationships. Hmm? Elon Musk says Neuralink Monkey can play video games with his mind. Huh. That won't destroy we, mankind. Are we hoping for that? Hey, uh, Elon, can he control weapon systems? How about an army of robots? So you're saying if you were the richest man in the world, you wouldn't hook up monkeys to video games through uh, brain computers? <laughs> It's not high on my bucket list. Uh, so I guess, obviously, they're trying it out on monkeys, and if monkeys can do it, then people can do it. That'll happen in my lifetime, right? Where I can get something stuck in my head, and I can run my car, my computer, my everything. According to Elon, yeah, he thinks it's it's closer than people think, but he's also... Some uh, of you won't do it because it's the mark of the beast, whatever, I'd sign up for it tomorrow. I mean, no, I'd want to see a few trials no, no, or whatever. No, no, but... no, no, no. If it can connect, it can be hacked. I don't need the Russian mob hacking my brain. I could use another excuse for my bad behavior. Yep, I think I've been hacked. Right, when somebody <laughs> drunk tweets something loathsome, yeah, yeah, I got hacked. <laughs> All of a sudden with a Russian accent, why are you hitting yourself? Why are you hitting yourself? Why are you hitting yourself? <laughs> yet, yet. Yeah, that's not super likely. I'm afraid that Elon has ushered us one step closer to a planet of the apes. That is constantly my fear. Kind of my thing. I love just going through the headlines. Korean pop star under fire for posing with Nazi mannequin. See, there's a story. Nazi Germany. Did not see that coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, they're uh, impeaching the old president, apparently, and nobody cares. Uh, a week from today, the impeachment starts. All of Trump's legal team quit. So is he defending himself now? He's hired some new people, but the story is that the uh, people that quit, they were willing to defend him on, you can't impeach a guy who's no longer in office. They were going to fight the constitutionality of it, which, mm -hmm. you know. Um, is at least an argument. But Trump wants lawyers who are going to argue he won in a landslide and it was stolen from him. Yeah, and then they won't. And they they, they <laughs> wouldn't. Uh, no. he, he will find lawyers that will, I suppose. But you know, that might that story might not be true. I'm, you know, Un unlike the, kind of the sport of debate, are there consequences for lawyers uh, making arguments that they know to be uh, it, unfulfillable? Or I, I don't know what the jargon would be. In but. an impeachment trial, which is not a court of law, I wouldn't think so. No, no. I think he could say anything in an well, impeachment. Well, and, and even in a court of law, you can say, no, he didn't. You know, that's the whole idea. Hmm. Even if he did, OJ, who <laughs> got his vaccine, if you're just tuning in. I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm just saying. Double murderers should go to the back of the line, Juice. He's elderly. Yeah, where's the justice there? You talking about equity. Jeez. Yeah. Um, uh, we're at about the year mark of this whole stupid crap happening. <laughs> That'd be the pandemic. Uh, a couple of numbers we ought to hit you with, um, among other things, on the way. I'm going to check in on the Chicago Teachers Union. If they, loo if they lose, if they get forced to, to cave, I think that could mean good things for the rest of the country. Anyway, all those updates on the way. Armstrong and Getty.
and Getty Show. Well, it started out... This month marks the anniversary of COVID in America. Last year, on January 31st, there were eight confirmed cases. Now it's 26 million. A year ago, there were no reported deaths. But today, nearly 450,000 Americans are gone. Well, I was ignoring it a year ago. To me, it was just another monkeypox or SARS or bird flu or whatever y'all had been talking about for years and never turned into anything. I'm going to suck you into Trying to warn you, you fool, you fool. We're going to suck you into this. If only you'd listened. If you'd have told me a year ago that a half a million people are going to die, it'll be a half a million before you know it. I'd have thought, I can't even imagine what that looks like. Yet yesterday, I was out and about uh, with my uh, my kids, and everywhere we went was just packed full of people everywhere. We went sledding, we went to Target, we went to a restaurant, and it's just everywhere you went, it was just people, you could stop at the gas station, people everywhere. So I guess we've just gotten used to it, and... You know, just decided, well, I guess this is what life is. Because it's not like it's we went through the worst part and it's better now. Mm-hmm. We're averaging, January was the deadliest month we've had yet. Second place was December. So, yeah, there's been a downturn lately, but it's probably just, uh, you know, it's a head fake. We were down I to, we were down to three, four hundred deaths a day in the middle of the summer. Now we're back up to twenty five hundred on average. Um, so it's ramping back up. And then you ought to hear from this guy who, uh, I found this frightening. The fact is that the surge that is likely to occur with this new variant from England is going to happen in the next six to 14 weeks. And if we see that happen, which my 45 years in the trenches tell us we will, we are going to see something like we have not seen yet in this country. Uh, England, for example, is hospitalizing twice as many people as we ever hospitalized at our highest number. We're going to see something like we haven't seen yet in this country in the next however many weeks. So he's on uh, Joe Biden's uh, COVID team doctor at some university. Uh, I hope he's wrong, but I remember roughly exactly a year ago when uh, a friend of mine, we were talking about people dying and he he said, oh, I think way more multiples of people will die than die in car wrecks every year to me. And I thought, God, I hope you're wrong. Wow. 30,000 people dying. It just seemed extraordinary to me that we'd get to 30,000. Sure. At that yeah. time. Mm-hmm. So, who knows? I hope it's not. I hope it's not. I hope that guy's wrong. I hope that guy's really wrong. But the hottest spots in the nation right now are f- Southern Florida and Southern California with the British variant, they believe, and it mm-hmm. spreads so fast. They're doing a pretty good job in L.A. vaccinating people. They got Dodgers Stadium open, and, and the supply varies, I guess, day to day, week to week. But they're getting people in out. Although yesterday, uh, they had to shut down for fifty five minutes because of a few dozen anti vax protesters. Right? Don't you just clear those people out? I'm anti any excessive force by the government in any way. But I want nightsticks. I want bulldozers. I want something just. Sweep them away like the garbage they are. What's the line from uh, Apocalypse Now with prejudice? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, you got to get those people out of there. Come on now. I just, I just think the psychology of this nationally COVID is... COVID equals scam. I think nice. the psychology of this is interesting. It's a lot of like a lot of life. If you knew everything that was going to happen, if you knew what you know your work trajectory is going to be like when you started, you wouldn't hardly even be able to get out of bed. Or, or raising kids or lots of different things. Right. You right. wouldn't be able to even start if you knew how hard it was going to be. But then at the end of it, it looks so different. If you'd, have, if, you'd have, 
if I didn't know a half a million people are going to die, if the nation had known a half a million people are going to die and how much money it was going to cost, everything like that, uh, you wouldn't have been able to get out of bed. But here we are. It's happened. And we're all running around having a good time, at least, you know, based on my weekend. I guess it feels like that's the only alternative. No, it's good. It's Matter a good thing. Matter or imprison yourself in your home. It's a good thing. It's just a resiliency of the human mind or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, and uh, I was thinking the other day, I can't even remember why, uh, how frightened would we be if 1% of people died from this? Because it's still less than 1%, right? Oh, yeah. three. Uh, 1% of the whole population would be looking at 3 million people. Well, right, but eventually that could be. But I'm saying that the fatality rate is is very, very low for this thing. And I think your young and healthy people especially, it's just a rational response. I have a life to live. I'm going to live my life. I hate the term new normal, but uh, clearly human beings, the psychology is just something bad happens. You you wrestle with it for a while, and then you just now start living with that new reality. One of kind of my overarching life themes is that the world belongs to the adaptable. Yeah, well, and you, you on a daily or hour-by-hour hour basis, reappraise threats. And people have had plenty of time to appraise this threat. Some some people do it rationally, some do it irrationally. But uh, obviously, quite a few people have decided, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And, and that's perfectly rational. It's fine. Good. Do it. If these new strains get bad, like, uh, you know, one that kills more people spreads faster, I don't think they could get us to shut down again. I don't know if people would or not. I think Depends. people. I think people will decide as individuals mm-hmm. and do what they think is right. Meanwhile, get the damn vaccine out, please, and get the schools open. More on that coming up. Yep. Armstrong and Getty. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.